Join Rowdy and Kyle every Monday and Thursday night for another episode of the Rowdy Magalite Show, sponsored by On Tire Tailgate System. All right, race fans, let's get rowdy. The next 60 minutes will be two men talking one thing and one thing only, racing. From the third tracks of the Carolinas to the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega, no race is too big or small for this duo. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our hosts, Rowdy Maglite and Kyle Magda. This is the Rowdy Maglite Show. Hey, welcome to the Rowdy Maglite Show, guys. Uh, I got Kyle Magnum all the way up there in uh, PA. How are we doing this morning, Kyle? Hey, Rowdy. It's it's cold here. Um, had a good Thanksgiving. Ate a lot of turkey and stuffing and all that fun stuff. And now we're back on the Rowdy Maglite Show. Good to be back. Well, we're getting ready for the Derby. And, uh, Kyle, I'm... Uh, if you kind of give us a little rundown, I'll call us. We got our first guest, Dusty Smith from Mobile, be racing this weekend. Uh, Kyle, so uh, kind of get up to speed on where you're at, on what's going on in PA, and I'll give uh, Dusty a call and get him on, okay? All right, Rowdy. Um, you know, this weekend we had the uh, Turkey Derby at Wall Stadium Speedway. Uh, the 49th running uh, with the with the with the, the, the tour type modified 150 laps, 10,000 to win. Uh, no surprise, Rowdy. Matt Hirschman gets his 28th win of the season um, at at Wall Stadium Speedway, New Jersey. Um, yeah, it was a it was a pretty good weekend. Um, you know, I got that racing going on. That was mainly the big thing. You know, uh, the Turkey Grand Prix. You reached Jim Webb at two five one four two one. Six five four six. Please leave me a message. I'll get back to you just as quickly as I can. So, uh, Rowdy, hey, just kind of what's going on here. here. Uh, please record your message. When you finish recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Hey, Dusty, my the call-in number is six five seven. Three eight three one six seven eight. Thank you. All right, Rowdy. Uh, yeah, Wall Stadium Speedway. Um, um, yeah, Wall Stadium Speedway, a home of the 49th annual Turkey Derby. Uh, the tour type modified, 150 laps, 10,000 to win. Uh, Matt Hirschman getting the win, Rowdy. No surprise there. Um, you know, he's won it before. Hello? Hey, Dusty. What's going on, man? Man, good morning. Uh, Derby week, Dusty, uh, look, we we're live with Dusty Smith from Mobile, Alabama. He's getting ready for the uh, 55th annual Snowball Derby weekend. And it's here, Dusty. How we doing today? Yeah, well, we're doing good. We're at the racetrack right now, uh, testing our supercar. We tested last night. We tested our pro car and our pro truck. Uh, just didn't get to spend much time on the super, so we've been at the track again today, and uh, let's see how we how we do today. So, uh, 
how many divisions are you entered in this weekend, Dusty? Three. I'm in three. Man, how do you, how does a guy thrash through three cars at, at Five Flags this weekend? Oh uh, well, my body's definitely going to take a toll for sure. But uh, thank God it's spaced out. You know, uh, we run the truck Thursday night and the pro car Saturday night, and we run the the uh, supercar Sunday. So I mean, uh, it's definitely going to be a busy week. But uh, I think we can handle it. Dusty, being from Mobile, I, I know you got a lot of uh, seat time at at Five Flags. That's got to help to have more seat time than a lot of guys from out west and up north. Oh yeah, we uh we ran the full season here in the pro car and the supercar. <clears throat> and uh you know, I, I got a lot of seat time in the truck here. So uh you know, seat time is, is key, especially at a track like this. Because uh, if you come here and you know you ain't never been around it, it's definitely a little bit harder to to get a hold of than uh, most of us that's you know, race here almost every other weekend. So, um Hopefully, uh, I can take what I know about this racetrack and and run pretty decent this weekend. Uh, Five Flags is all about tire management, isn't it, Dusty? Yeah, sure, it sure is. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta wait. You gotta have a lot of patience and uh, a lot of tire, a lot of throttle control around here. Because if you don't have no throttle control, about lap fifty, you'll be sideways going towards the back. So, you know, uh, last year or in when they did that little piece of repaving, is that pretty much out of the equation now with it kind of curing over the summer? Nobody's talking about the new pavement from last year. No, um, no, I, I think the new, I think they need to pave the whole thing to be honest with you. Uh, at first everybody was skeptical about jumping off from new pavement to old pavement, how the cars would react. But, um, I think everybody seems to like it that I know of. Sort of veering off. Uh, did you race any at MIS this year on on at Mich or Michigan <laughs> Mobile? Yes, sir. We got a full season there in the truck and the pro car. It was good Had, to uh, get a couple get, wins this year. It's good to get Mobile back on up and going again, isn't it, uh, Dusty? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's only like five minutes from our race shop, so. All we gotta do is just load up, and you know we're all we're home every night. We're, you know it's it's better than traveling to all these other races. You know, ten hours away, I could be home in my bed in a matter of twenty minutes. You got Kyle here. Uh, first question for you is, uh, where, where do you normally race at? I guess I'm not sure you think Mobile's your track. Uh, you just race there, or do you race other tracks as well? Uh, well, we traveled a little bit this year. We went to New Smyrna at the beginning of the year. We went to Cordell and Nashville, and that was really the only three tracks we went to this year. So what do you think about each place, um, Nashville, Cordell, and uh, New Smyrna? I mean, what, what, what's your overall impressions of the three places? Uh, Well, my favorite track is probably going to be Nashville, but, you know, all three tracks have – you got to drive them different. Um, I, I like all I like all three facilities, uh, but if I had to pick to where I wanted to race at every weekend, it would be Nashville. So, what is it about Nashville that that appeals to you? Um, I mean, is there something just like the history of the place, or maybe how the track is? I mean, what 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 what? Why does it mean so much to you? 
you know, just just the speed. The speed there is is phenomenal, and um, you know how you drive the track. It's it's a it's a good driver track. You know what I mean? And it's good racy, big racy track. Um, and it's a good facility too. So the snowball derby weekend's coming up. Uh, I mean, what are what are you looking forward most to? Uh, I mean, what you know, uh, what what are you looking forward to the most uh, with the 55th snowball derby just right around the corner? Well, I'm looking to make the. This will be my second attempt in the supercar uh, to make the derby, and I'm looking forward to. You know, I want to be at least top ten, and uh, both races. If we can come out with a top ten finish, top five finish, I'd be. I'd be so proud. So my last question for you is you run the super and you run the limited, correct? Yes, I run the pro late model. A pro late model. Um, so, I mean, is there any big differences between the two cars? Um, I mean, have you seen anything different? I mean, does the super have more horsepower or how does that really work? Yeah, the super, you know, it's it's got a lot. It's got a way bigger motor than the uh, the pro car. It's actually like putting two six oh fours in one car. Uh, I like the supercar. I I think we're gonna kind of steer away from the crate cars next year and just do a lot of super races because of you know the seat time you can get in them and um and the power that that comes with them. So I like that too. So Dusty uh got sixty two enters entries in the super. How do you feel about the big guns coming down and racing with y'all? Because they some oh, they some big names coming in. Oh yeah, it's definitely fun. Uh, I'm glad they're coming down here to sport, you know, short track racing. So uh, hopefully, I can get beside them and race them, you know, like everybody else does on uh, Sunday. One. What about the tension on Saturday, uh, Friday night and qualifying? That that's probably the most intense <laughs> night of the whole week, isn't it? Oh yeah, I probably bought. I'm probably, I probably won't have no fingernails left from being so nervous, trying to wanting to make the race. What, Dusty? Let, let's talk about the guys at the shop that helps you get get to these races. Yeah, I got a. Uh, I got uh, my dad first, and uh, he really supports me. You know, he. Uh, we've been been doing this for a long time and uh i got three full-time guys at the shop that bust their tails every week you know to get our get our cars ready to go and uh all our track help you know and all our sponsors you know if it weren't for them we wouldn't be doing this so um i'm thankful for everybody that has a part in our racing program you want to call out them sponsors uh dusty yes sir uh smith scrap and salvage site con services llc Swift Springs, Strange Oval, and Gale Force, and Johnny's RV. Hey, guys, if, if you're putting your, your your name on this guy's car, make sure you're out this weekend. It's going to be one awesome weekend, and uh, a visibility of their advertisement is going to be well took in because it's going to be a sold-out house, uh, Dusty. Yes, sir, it will be. And you're there now, so uh, Dusty, looking forward to seeing you this. Well, I, I'm going to be pulling in Thursday, so I, I'll see you Thursday. All righty, have a good one. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dusty. Looking forward to seeing you on Thursday, my friend. Yes, sir. Thanks, Dusty. All right, Kyle. Uh, 
the 55th annual Snowball Derby. It's here, man. He's at the track thrashing out his car now, so uh, his vehicles. I was going to say, Rowdy, he's kind of there a little early already. It's only Monday. But Kyle, he, he rented the track, and they're uh, they're working on it now. So uh, it's a big weekend, guys. I'm telling you, when you get some of the entries, all you need to do is go on Facebook and type in Five Flag Speedway, all the entries, or go to our Rowdy Maglite media page. We got the entries there. It's at 62 right now, Kyle, and it it could grow a few more. 57 yeah, entries, 57 entries uh, Kyle, now in the snowflake. Rowdy, I, I don't mean to be like, you know, like, I guess parallel, but like there were 62 entries for the Turkey Night Grand Prix at uh, Ventura Raceway in California, actually, uh, Saturday night. Um, Justin Grant wound up winning it. Um, Kyle Larson, 22nd to second, uh, late entry into that, but um, did show up. So I had to, had to mention that. But uh, 62 cars tried to attempt a 98-lap race, the 98-lap feature last night. So, uh, or excuse me, Saturday night. But um, yeah, a lot lot of entries down there. It sounds like, and uh, I bet the the, car, the the pits are going to be packed down there at Five Flags. Uh. Kyle, our next guest calling in, we're supposed to have somebody, we may have somebody from Five Flags, but if not, our next guest is going to be Ryan Powell. He's another Mobilian. You know, we got several guys from Alabama, several from Florida, but uh, the majority of them are coming from the East Coast, the West Coast, and uh, (laughs) it's going to be another action-packed weekend full. Yeah, right. Even though the NASCAR season's over, uh, we still got a lot of racing, local racing to happen. Um, I know we, we, we talked about a few weeks ago, Alex Bowman going to Baps Motor Speedway, taking his 410 Sprint car there. Uh, Kyle Larson running the, the USDAC car at Ventura on Saturday night, uh, last-minute entry into that. Um, just been a lot a lot of drivers, you know, William Byron, Josh Berry. I mean, they're going to attempt the Snowball Derby and the super late models, so that's, you know, that's a big deal. Um, you know, Chandler Smith, um, you know, the list just keeps going and going. So, um, yeah, a lot, 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 of, uh, lot of things happening here. I mean, who do, you, who, who do you think is your early favorite right now, Rowdy, for the Snowball Derby in the super late model category? Who do you like right now? Well, uh, you got Chandler Smith coming back from last year. Uh, Derek Thorne, you know, that was a battle to the very end. I tell you, Kyle, it's uh, there's there's a variety. The top, you got the cream of the crop right here in super late models, Kyle. It's if I had to take and pick one driver, you got Ty Majeski coming in who won last year, and ties off of a a bad situation with a hollowed out bolt at the race that he got disqualified this weekend. Oh, that's right, Rowdy. I saw that. Uh, no drilled bolts, and, and the boat was really clearly drilled, and uh, the crew chief took responsible for it. And I just don't know how, how that could give you an advantage that little bit. 
Not sure, Rowdy. I know we always try to. I know they always try to bend the rules. Uh, there's always, you know, the gray area, as I call it. Um, but uh, yeah, I know. I know this weekend, you know, the room of doom, uh, post race tech. I know that's usually where the show's at after the show itself. So uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how that's going to go. And uh, yeah, um, Tom Majeski looking really good, uh, having a good season in the NASCAR Camp World Truck Series, uh, two wins and a championship four bursts, and. Uh, Looking really good, so um, I'm, I'm interested to see how practice goes, and then you know qualifying as well for the 300 lap main feature on Sunday. So uh, looking forward to the weekend. A um, lot, lot of stuff going on down there. I know you'll be down there for the weekend, and uh, just looking forward to having a good weekend of racing. Uh, like I said, we had you know Wall Stadium Speedway with the Turkey Derby, and uh, Rowdy, I did see something this morning. It, it came across my Facebook feed from Area Auto Racing News. Uh, the World of Outlaws may be stopping in Pennsylvania in March, um, early March. So I don't know if that's that that's been the rumblings right now. Um, what it would be is uh, a weekend at Port Royal, the, March 11th and 12th, and then Lincoln on March 18th and Williams Grove March 19th. So um, hoping that'll happen. I know that's kind of the talk of, of, of around here right now. So maybe we'll get to see some World of Outlaws earlier than expected. So uh, really looking forward to seeing if that happens instead of doing their West Coast swing that they normally do. Kyle, uh, you know, looking back several years back, you did not see the enthusiasm of these cup guys coming down and racing super late models and late models in some of these short tracks. And now you see that. I mean, it, it, this seems like a big swing. It just took one to open the door and seem like everybody else wants to be part of it, with like Brad Nikowski coming down. I mean, that that's big. Eric Jones, Noah Gregson. Of course, Noah's already a one-time snowball uh, winner. Yeah, Roddy, there's a lot right now. Um, a lot, lot of entries into that. Um and don't be surprised if you see some big names in the last chance qualifier. Don't be shocked by it at all. I mean, I know that's happened before. So, um, yeah, uh, I'd like to see Derek Thorne win it. I think it'd be good for him uh, to finally get that snowball derby victory. Um, I, I don't know. He's been so close lately. You know, he's led a chunk of the race and just, you know, it doesn't work out at the end. So I think a, a guy like Derek Thorne would, would be good to see win. Um, you know, definitely, you know, seeing a William Byron or a Josh Berry. I mean, Josh Berry just won uh, for Junior Motorsports over the weekend, the late model again. So no surprise there. But um, is uh, I think Carson Quapple's running as well, if I'm not mistaken, Rowdy. Um, he is. Not, yeah. I'm not he surprised is. at all. I mean, he's had a great year. You know, he won that race in North Wilkesboro. And, um, you know, he's had a really good season driving for Dale Jr. So, um, you know, Carson Quapple coming up through the, la- the ranks and, um, really showing a lot of success. You know, I'm interested to see how he'll, he'll do in the NASCAR ranks when he does get up there. Kyle, all you got to do is go over to Five Flags Speedway or onto our Facebook page and look at all 62 entries. Uh, Canada, as far as Canada, uh, Derek Griffin from uh, New Hampshire, uh, Michigan, uh, Car- Carson Hosevar. Carson's always showing up. Uh, several Alabama and then North Carolina, Josh Berry, uh, Noah Gregson, Carson Corporal, uh, you know, it, it's some really, really impressive 
names there, not only in Cup, but in the super late models. Uh, Bubba Pollard, always a favorite, down to Augie Grill will be there. Augie's racing uh, both. Ty Majeski. I mean, Kyle, it just goes on and on. So this is the place to come and get close up and see some of your favorite NASCAR drivers. Yeah, Rowdy, it's a good weekend, and uh, just glad you're going to be there covering it for us, and, you know, hopefully I'll get there someday. But, um, yeah, Rowdy, I'm still trying to lay out my plans for next year, kind of working on it right now. Uh, what I'm going to do next year, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, it, mean, it, it means more more trips to the racetrack. Uh, Allen Town Indoor Race is coming up here in about in January, and then the EMPA convention. So, uh, hoping to get to Daytona. Uh, don't know yet, but um, we're just we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens. You know, I know Homestead kind of fell through, but um, we're just hoping uh, hope Daytona. I'll I'll be able to get down there. You know, I've never seen the Arkham Menard Series down there before, so. Uh, it's going to be uh, going to be really interesting these next few months, and especially in NASCAR silly season with as many moves as we've seen. Well, Kyle, there's still uh, tickets available, but they are not many left. So uh, you better grab you if if you're coming, you better get it. If you can't make it too far, American Racers covering the whole weekend. They got a great package, uh, Matt. Weaver will be covering it. Matt does a, a wonderful job with what he does. And uh, the 55th entering or the 55th annual Snowball Derby. It's going, it start, actually, it starts tomorrow night with the uh, party at Hooters, the kickoff party. And tonight, Kyle, uh, Tim Bryant will have, you know, he does his uh, – Facebook Live in the groove from Five Five Flags Speedway. So if you want to get caught up on that, that'll be tonight. I think he starts at 6 Central also. So uh, let me make sure on that. Yeah. So tune in and uh, listen to – there'll be more more information on the Snowball Derby. But I'll wait, Kyle. It's a – only reason they stop is to let people get across the track and grab some more stuff to uh, bring in or take stuff out. And it just pretty much strikes right back up within 15 minutes. So it's pretty nonstop. All the way down to, to Sunday. And, guys, the weather's going to look – it's going to be nice this weekend. I mean, perfect for racing, guy. Good, Rowdy. I know you're you're talking about the weather, so hopefully, uh, hopefully you're not stuck till four thirty in the morning like you were that one time. Yeah, well, <laughs> it used to take several hours to get through the tech technical end of it, uh, Kyle. So that that's usually what keeps you held up. But at the end, you know you got a winner. Don't leave! Don't leave till they say they won. It, and it makes it a lot of fun, Kyle, sitting down there at the tech and watch it all unfold. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, Rowdy. You know, I choose the race when in the race when it starts afterwards. So. So, Kyle, I've uh. 
Hadn't heard nothing from our next guest is going to be calling in here in a few minutes. I, I think I'm going to try to get him pushed on up a little closer, uh, Kyle, so we can keep this moving on. I, I was kind of hoping somebody from the track would call this morning. I hadn't. Of course, you know, it, it's Monday morning at uh, Five Flags Speedway, and you know it's crazy. Race, race week. It is race week. Waited on it a whole year, Kyle. Yeah, Rowdy, I'm kind of getting ready for next year. Uh, like I said, uh, trying to uh, figure out my plans and uh, just trying to uh, see what's going on. All right, Kyle. Let me play this and let, let me let me push this this time up just a little bit, Kyle. <clears throat>
All right, baptized. <laughs> yeah, Auburn got baptized on Saturday night. Kyle, that's, that was our big inter interstate rivalry. Uh, Penn State. Who's who is Penn State's rival? In-state rival. They don't have one, Rowdy. I mean, if you want to say, I guess you could say Pitt, Pitt is, University of Pittsburgh, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's as, as really as big as, as like, you know, Penn State, Ohio State. I think that's where the bigger games are at. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's all, there was some good football played this weekend. Really one two-point difference, all but Alabama and Auburn game. That one was a little different. Yeah, Rowdy didn't get to catch the Iron Bowl, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I know that's always a big game and uh, just a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, Penn State, Michigan State, uh, Penn State ended the year with the, with the win. Um, there are only two losses coming to uh, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and Purdue. So, uh, yeah, they looked okay, um, you know. But, uh, yeah, um a lot of football this season, you know, like I said, uh, Turkey Derby at Wall Stadium Speedway. Uh, glad uh, glad we got to um, get that in. You know, I know the weather was kind of looking iffy for Sunday, but um, we did get it in on Saturday, so that was good. Matt Hirschman's $10,000 richer. So, um, yeah, um, he comes out with the win again. Uh, Andrew Krause ran good. Uh, Jimmy Blewett was up there for a while, and, you know, that's kind of how it went. So uh, it's always cold, though, Rowdy. That's the only thing I always tell people if they go to the Turkey Derby. Got to dress very warmly. Um, very cold, usually 40, 50 degree weather, and uh, yeah, that's just uh, you know it's the Northeast that time of the year. Uh, I bet you that Baps race was pretty cold a few weeks ago. Let me tell you. Kyle, uh, just quickly going back to the football deal. Watch USC and Notre Dame play in the Coliseum. It's amazing to look at that seating and that field and think they run the clash there in uh, February. It, it's just – I just don't know how they did it or how they how they do it, but it just don't look big enough to hold 40 cars. Yeah, right. I think there's just a lot of planning and, and you know, things that go into it. You know, uh, I know they probably have, like, turn that place uh, around a bunch of times, you know, whether, you know, for other events or football games or soccer games. And, uh, yeah, the Coliseum has a lot of history. Um, that, that's kind of what I like about it. You know, there's a lot of history at the L.A. Coliseum, you know, with the Raiders and the Rams and, uh, you know, with USC playing there. So it's just there's a lot. Um, you know, I, I think it would be nice to see the place just to see it. So, yeah. Kyle, we got our next driver calling in. I'd like to welcome – to the Rowdy Maglite Show, Ryan Powell. Welcome, Ryan. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. And uh, Ryan, uh, Snowball Derby's here. How you getting ready for the Derby today? Man, I'm actually working, um, trying to figure out how I'm going to get some material hauled that i got to get hauled to these jobs so I can kind of free myself up. It you work at, You work towards the Derby all year. Ryan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's an all-year event. What 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 is it that you like about Five Flags Speedway, Ryan? 
Well, it's just um, it's a good driver's racetrack. I mean, it makes for really good racing um, inside or outside the car. You know, if you're watching in the stands or for racing, um, you can get on that. You can actually make your way back to the bottom without losing a whole bunch. So, uh, Ryan, with you racing there, tire management is everything. Do you think you have a little bit of advantage of somebody that hasn't raced at the Derby before? Um, it, it's, it used to be that way, but with the tires these days that we've got coming up, um, with the pro cars, pretty much when they drop the rag, it's, it's, it's game on until lap 100. So we used to have a tire management problem, but I guess the tires are so new now. They're coming out and they're so uh, so fresh that they pretty much run good till the end. You know, we haven't seen a lot of fall-offs here lately. So, Ryan, how's your uh, 2022 season, how's it been this year? It's been all right. We've had some ups and downs. We've uh, had a DNF from a flat right front tire of the last race out. But other than that, we've had raw speed, so hopefully we've massaged on enough to have enough here here towards the end of the year. How does a guy manage trying to uh, family or work and and race to uh, Ryan? Because I, I know racing's a full time. You got to be thinking racing twenty four hours a day. Man, it's um it's tough. It takes the whole family for sure to make sure that we. We get in family time and, and also get the work done um, and also make sure the race car is ready. It's, it's, been a, it's been a tall feat here lately for sure. So, uh, Ryan, you race at Mobile also, MIS? Yes, sir, some. Um, we've tried to make some of those shows. It's just not worked out in our schedule, but we did make the SRL race over there a couple of months back. But I think we're going to try to race there a little bit more um, next year. I think we're going to try to support more. We always try to support, but it's just not worked out for our car in the years past. Um, but we really hope she gets that place going, and we're going to try to support more and more as the years come for sure. Hey, Ryan, you got Kyle here. Uh, first question for you is, uh, you know, well, how's your season been going? And, um, I mean, what are you looking forward to in the Derby? Man, we uh, – our season's been up and down, really. Like I said, we've we've had a DNF there um, towards the end of the year, and we didn't really get to run all the races. Um, had some had some family uh, issues at the beginning of the year, but um, – Looks like we're building speed coming into the Derby. We was running second when we had a flat right front the last race out. So hopefully we got something to work with here starting Thursday. My second question for you is: uh, Can you uh, what what are, what are you looking forward to uh, for maybe next year? I mean, what do you what do you have you looked at next year yet? Or um, I mean, what what else is going on with your your plans? We haven't um, we haven't made it uh, through the Derby. Normally, me and my wife, we get through the Derby, and then we kind of look at the schedules and see what we plan on making. But I think we're going to try to travel a little more. Um, we're probably going to try to make Speed Fest and um, a couple of other races that 
that's kind of some bucket list stuff for our small team. But we've got some other stuff in the works for some some regional stuff in some trucks. So um, just going to kind of wait and see how that all plays out, I guess, in the weeks to come. We should know something here in the near future. So what are you, what are you, what are some racetracks you go to? Um, you've raced at. Um, I mean, is Five Flags the only one, or have you you raced at some other places as well? No, we've been to Montgomery, Op, Cordell, Nashville, Mobile, um, and obviously Pensacola is some of the late model stuff we've done. I went to Birmingham before it got tore up years and years ago, but obviously it's uh, dwindled away. So my last question for you is uh, uh, what, what divisions are you running this weekend? And, um, you know, what, what are you, you know, I mean, are you looking to make the race? Um, I mean, how many cars? I, 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 what are, like, what, I don't know what you're running. So what, what divisions are you running at the Snowball Derby or trying to attempt? Right. We're just going to run the Snowflake. We're just going to run the Pro Car. Um, I think there's like 58 cars signed up for that race so obviously making this show is a tall feat um but we would like to start in the top 10 and then just kind of see how the race plays out that uh qualifying is a uh, tough night isn't it uh ryan man it's a it's a tall feat for sure um i, I tell you what ryan that is intense. like that is like its own race right there that is a race night just qualifying if the people in the stands, actually knew what the pressure you guys were under up down there. It, it, it is one heck of a night. And then, uh, Ryan, what do you think about the last chance races? I mean, how do you feel about last chance races? Um, we we probably wouldn't indulge in that um, if we just didn't make it. We'd probably just call it good. They normally <laughs> they seem to tear up a pretty good amount of stuff in them last chance races. Um. <laughs> And for our budget, it just it doesn't make sense. Well, Ryan, let, uh, why don't you call out the guys that helps you back at the shop uh, to make this all happen? Yes, sir. I, I'd like to thank Mr. Phillip and uh, Chris and Michael Griffith. That's the guys that help us back at the shop. And obviously my wife, she keeps us all in line. So um, that's about all the help we got, really. What about your sponsors there? Yeah, we got McCarran uh McCarran services on the side this weekend and we've got Johnny's R V on the hood, uh Revitalized Heat and Air, Ernest Performance, um PSC brakes, ISP seats. Um, that's some of our major supporters right now. Strange Oval for the axles and stuff. Um, yeah, that's about that's about the help we got. Are y'all coming down for this weekend? Yes, sir. Uh, Ryan, on Thanksgiving, sitting around Thanksgiving dinner, was the Derby the, the main topic? No, oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It's been it's been the topic since the last race. So uh, it's kind of been on our mind for the last couple of months here. Just been trying to prepare and get everything ready and get over there and get started. So what's your arrival time? When do you plan on being to Derby? I plan on hauling out of here at noon tomorrow with my plan 
to get over there and get the rig and stuff in line. But um, I just got a call about about some work, so I might I might be later. I might be Wednesday morning till I get there. Yeah, sometimes it's more important to get that that dollar and then move on. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, y'all look us up when you get here. I I definitely will. Uh, Ryan, I, I I try to get by everybody. Kyle, we're gonna cut this down, and I'll send you a copy later on sometime today, so you'll have it for your own for your sponsors and all. Yes, sir. I sure appreciate it. Ryan, thanks a lot for being part of the show, and looking forward to seeing you this weekend. And uh, safe travels, and good luck on that, making that extra dollar before you get there. Yes, sir. We'll see you then. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Yes, sir. You too. Bye. Thanks, Ryan. All right, Kyle. There's there's two of our drivers for this weekend. I can't emphasize if you, if if you love racing, this is one of the best weekends out of 52. After out of 52 weeks, this week is probably one of the biggest in short short track racing. Yeah, I think you're right, Rowdy. It is a big weekend, and uh, I know Aaron Creed. Will be, he says he plans on being there. He was just a Tucson. Arizona over the weekend, so that's where he was, and uh, I guess there'll be five flags bound here pretty soon. Well, Kyle, uh, we, we were slated for we, we you had us slated for two an hour and twenty minutes, or what was it? It was a uh, hundred and twenty minutes for a two-hour show. We, we'll finish well, Roddy, up. With I normally do two-hour shows just in case we run over. Right. With that being said, I've got the uh, what I'd like to play after we get done talking about the Derby and to finish off the another hour, the state of the sport in NASCAR, which is it's pretty interesting. Yeah, Rowdy, uh, some some NASCAR stuff uh, still wrapping up the season, and uh, you know a lot going on and. You know, now we're we're looking forward to 2023. So, uh, guys, we had Dusty Smith. He's at the track now. I'm sure there's other people at the track. It's going to start – today's going to start to build and build and build and build. Uh, I'm going to try to grab uh, JoJo Wilkerson. I'd like to get her on before the snowflake also, Kyle. Maybe on uh, Thursday night we can get her. And uh, someone from the track, hopefully we can do a pre-tape, because I know Thursday they're going to be wide open and they won't have time to talk. Sounds like a plan, Rowdy. Just got to gotta arrange all that. That's right. Well, uh, Kyle, what you got to close us out? Because I'm just going to let this play on out. Well, Rowdy, uh not really much racing else going on the rest of the year here. Uh, Turkey Derby was kind of the last big event in the Northeast. Uh, the 150 laps for the Tour Type Modifieds, 10,000 to win. Matt Hirschman taking home the win. Uh, yeah, good to see him get his 28th victory of the year. Um, I know he uh, likes collecting those trophies and winning a lot of money. So uh, no surprise there. Um, yeah, another, another Turkey Derby weekend in the books. Um, hopefully, you know, Wall will be back next year. Um, have some good news about Bloomsburg. Uh, Thanksgiving, they teased on Facebook. Uh, 
they're going to have the 2023 racing schedule coming out. So um, that's some good news to hear. You know, after the, the whole uh, sound ordinance was passed uh, for the city of Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, um, that the track is not exempt from it. So, uh, you know, but that's some good good news to see that, uh, you know, Bloomsburg is going to be back next year. So um, it's nice to see these tracks returning. You know, we talk about North Wilkesboro all the time, but it's also good to see these PA dirt tracks uh, re- return as well. Well, Kyle, uh, you know, that noise ordinance, uh, Nashville's under it. Uh, we've been to several tracks that's under it. I mean, you can you can kind of work around that. But why anybody, when you have an established track like Bloomsburg, anybody buy a house around it and complain about the noise? Come on. We, we've heard the same com, uh, complaints at Nashville. That track was it's built in 1904. Now, how many people still alive from 1904? If you bought a house after that, you knew you was buying next to a racetrack. They put any more it over happens, the right Now they ain't got room for nothing else. They done built the soccer field, the ex- exhibition house, and uh, now they're putting condos right absolutely right behind the the uh, front stretch. And I'm telling you, Kyle, there's not 75 feet apart, if, if that. I don't know where they plan on parking all these people, if they're going to put a, a parking deck or what, but they're going to have to do something. But anyway. Yeah, especially if NASCAR is going to come back to Nashville Fairgrounds, or something has to be done. That's right. That's right, and they're coming back. I mean, uh, the drivers all are talking about it. Well, Kyle, I'm going to play this uh, State of the Sport, and uh, we'll be back to all this week. So uh, just stay tuned and hang in there. Thank you for joining us for NASCAR's annual State of the Sport here at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, also, welcome to those of you on the live stream, as well as those on NASCAR radio on Sirius XM. My name's Eric Ryan, Vice President of Corporate Communications for NASCAR. I'm joined, of course, by NASCAR President Steve Phelps and Chief Operating Officer Steve O'Donnell. Uh, as we conclude our 74th season with new champions here in the Valley, we have a moment to reflect on this extraordinary season and begin to look ahead to our diamond anniversary next year with our 75th. On behalf of my colleagues across NASCAR, I want to thank everybody here, continued engagement in the sport for supporting our ultimate goal of exciting the fans. So with that, I'll hand it over to you, Steve, for your opening remarks. Great. Thank you. I'm going to have a few remarks, as Eric said, uh, to kick things off, and then Steve and I will answer any questions that you have. Um, First, I want to thank all of you for being here. Um, Certainly exciting. Um, We've got four deserving um, challengers for the championship this evening uh, and tomorrow and on Sunday, so we wish all the competitors uh, good luck. We've got a potential repeat winner this evening with um, um, with our um, friend um, Ben Rhodes. <clears throat> well, it's a good start so far. <laughs> so, and Ben has been a deserving champion, and um, but it's great to have three challengers there tomorrow. We will crown a new champion in the Xfinity Series, and then we have two drivers that are going for um, for their second championship, and two that are new. So. Really exciting storylines, 
And that's what you guys do when you do so well. So for many of you, um, Steve and I get to see you at the racetrack um, every week. Other you, others of you, um, we see you less than that. But it's all important. What you do for our sport to bring those storylines to life to our race fans uh, is really important. So I want to thank each and every one of you for what you do. Um, it is important. Um, obviously, I have a, <clears throat> a friend up here um, in Steve O'Donnell, who's our chief operating officer. This is the first time Steve has joined me here. Um, I'm excited to have Steve here, um, not because it was his birthday yesterday, um, but because of all the great things. Oh, did I mention that it was Steve's birthday yesterday? Happy birthday, Steve. We won't sing for you this time. Um, but I do think, um, you know, Steve deserves to be up here. He's, uh, he's worked incredibly hard. He's been a longtime employee of NASCAR. Um, and under his direction, he's, he's done some terrific things. And I'll get into that in some of my opening. But I thought it would be appropriate for Steve to be up here with me. Um, <clears throat> kind of the meat of the matter about what I want to talk about, uh, what I want to talk about is the successes that Ford has had. Um, we've just, we're about to conclude um, our 74th season, and what a terrific season it's been in 2022. I'll get to that in a second. But I thought it would be appropriate to actually take a step back. Um, many of you were in the room in Miami when I had the opportunity to do this for the first time. Um, and I think we're at that particular time, we're, we're a sport that, frankly, was um, struggling. Um, our ratings were down, our attendance was down. There weren't a lot of bright spots, and I stood in front of you and I talked about our, our best, days being best days being in front of us. I know that seemed kind of foolish, and maybe some of you were snickering. It's like, <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um, but we, where we sit here today, I think that's exactly what's happened. Um, and I think you look at 2019, our ratings were up. Um, our attendance was up in 2019. 20, we started the season off with with a sitting president at the Daytona 500 and then the extraordinary events of, of Ryden Newman at the end of that race um, and how scary that was. But you look at the, the first four races of that year, our ratings were up, um, and then COVID hit. And, you know, COVID was a, a brand new world for us. And on, on March 13th, when we closed down, right, and, sh and shut down our operations and sent everyone home from Atlanta, that following Monday, Steve and, and other senior members of the team, we sat down in Daytona Beach, Florida, and we devised a plan or started to architect a plan that would get us back to racing, um, which is exactly what we did. And that was a very scary time, those 71 days and, and what our industry did to come back and collaborate to get back to, to be the first sport competing which is what we did on, on May 18th at Darlington. Initially without fans, and then the first sport back to competing with race fans um, when we went to, uh, to Miami, uh, Homestead Miami Speedway, and then on to Talladega. And, but it was the events that, bless you, Jenna, the events that happened in, in June of 2020, I think set the course of NASCAR to change where the sport was from a reputation standpoint and from a relevance standpoint. And that was the stan stance on social justice. It's interesting. We just had Jimmy Johnson here. What terrific news having Jimmy come back in the ownership position he's taking to Petty GMS. And it's great to have Jimmy back. 
but Jimmy led a group of drivers to create a video that talked about learning, being educated, doing better um, with respect to understanding what was happening in this in country and, and kind of the reckoning that was, was happening. And Jimmy gave permission for the sport to come out and do the things that we did and say the things that we did. Um, and that changed the face of this sport forever. And you look at the results that have happened just in 2020, frankly, new ownership with, with Michael Jordan and Pitbull um, and others, frankly, people of color coming to the sport. Um, our own hiring practices and what we've done, you know, what has happened throughout the garage um, and drivers um, of, um, like a Daniel Suarez winning this year, a Bubba Wallace winning again this year. It's important, um, and it's changing the face of the sport as we, as we move forward. And you can do that without taking away from what's happening with your, your existing fans, fans who have been here for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, because they want, they want great racing. They want storylines. They want their drivers to win. Um, they want us to serve them content that is interesting, unique, and special, and that's, that's what we've done while we've been able to serve, serve this new fan. So have finished 2020. I think it was a, a terrific year again. Attendance was a bit wonky because we had limitations on, like we are here two, weeks, uh, two years ago, I think we had 11,000 fans, right? <clears throat> Last year we were packed. This year we sold out of the Sunday race in March. Um, 2021 was a special year um, in that we had the boldest schedule ever, or at least in 50 years, in NASCAR. Um, and that really defined NASCAR doing things boldly and differently than they've done before. And that also added to the reputation and the relevance of the sport. Um, and that is something that um, continued as we looked at, oh, and, oh, by the way, the ratings were were strong and attendance was up again um, versus 2019. Then you fast forward into 2022. I, yes, I am getting to the end because we, we're doing this chronologically. Um, and I think the thing that um, I was struck by is you think of the clash at the Coliseum and the importance of what the bush light at the clash of the, uh, the Coliseum, what it meant to the sport. It was a proof point. For, that we could do something like that, right? That we could build a track inside a stadium and, and certainly an iconic one. That was important for us. Um, and again, it showed being bold and, and being innovative and being relevant. Um, the biggest thing to me, and that was incredibly important, and frankly, is it's, uh, I've never been in a NASCAR race where every single person that you, that you talk to in this industry Drivers, fans, everyone had a smile on their face. Everyone. It was unbelievable. Never seen that in a NASCAR race. Some's complaining about something. I mean, right? Not there. Um, but importantly, it was the next-gen car and the introduction of the next-gen car that was so important. Um, if you consider that before this year in the next-gen car, you had to have a relationship with Five, one of five race teams if you wanted to come into this sport. You had to. This car changed that. So what does this car do? There was a relevance to this car for our OE partners. The styling was fantastic of this car. 
And then the question would be, well, what's the raceability of the car? And the raceability of the car was such that it resulted in 19 different winners, so more than half the field won a race in NASCAR this year. Five first-time winners. More green flag pass, uh, more passes throughout the field in a single season. By that, by the way, that happened four weeks ago. Um, so I would say the racing has has been has delivered. It's been terrific. I did want to touch on on one thing relative to the the safety of the vehicle. I'm sure there's going to be a question that's going to come from from one of you. Um, the car was designed as safety is the number one priority for that car. That's how it was designed. And it was designed to make sure that the horrific situation that we saw with, uh, with Ryan Newman of the Daytona 500 and the intrusion that happened into his vehicle or the crushed roof that happened with Joey Logano at Talladega, that those things needed, the strength of the car needed to be there. And that is something that was first and foremost um, into why that car was designed. Um, so I would say, and I want to give a public um, shout-out to Steve O'Donnell and his team, nothing short of spectacular, and what a bold play, right? So a year ago, I think someone asked me, what's, what's the, what keeps you up at night? The car kept me up at night. Wh whether we could put that car on the racetrack at the Clash of Coliseum. You've had you know, supply chain issues and all the rest of it. And if you think about it, get to the Clash of the Coliseum, and you don't have a race car, there's no safety net. You can't go back to the old, it's, gone, it's too late, you're done. We wouldn't race. And I know that sounds dramatic, but if you think about it, there was no safety net, no wires. It's our, it was our car, it needed to be on the racetrack. And then working with the race teams and the drivers, we'd make sure the car was, was as racy as it could be. And I think it delivered against that, too. Um, as you look forward to our 75th season, um, more exciting news. For the first time in our 75-year history, we are going to race a street course. And not just any city. We're going to race in Chicago and not at the outskirts of Chicago. We are going to be in downtown Chicago on Lake Michigan, right, on Lakeshore Drive and on Michigan Avenue and on Columbus. And it's going to be unlike any NASCAR race ever, not just because it's on the street course, but because of what we are going to do around the development and the hospitality of that racetrack. It will look nothing like any NASCAR race we've ever had. And as a race fan, I'm incredibly, I'm incredibly excited about that. <clears throat> you know, as we think about the raceability of the vehicle, um, and you think about the playoffs, we had three first-time winners, I'm sorry, three winners that were not part of the playoffs win our first three races in the round of 16. The round of 12, um, and, I, and a special shout-out for, for Christopher Bell um, for what he did at the Roval. Um, incredibly unexpected, as he would say, I didn't have the fastest race car there, but they went out and won that race. And then you go to Martinsville, and he has another walk-off win unprecedented in the history of NASCAR and this, how we race our playoffs, unprecedented. Certainly overshadowed a bit by, um, by Ross's move, um, understandably, because no one had ever seen anything like that ever. 
Um, but I wanted to make sure that Christopher Bell got his due because he did something extraordinary. Um, and he deserves to be in, uh, in the championship four, as do the other drivers. So, um, again, thrilled for where the sport is, thrilled for where the sport is going um, as we head into our media rights negotiation next year, as we head into, um, you know, kind of uncharted territories with the, um, with the Chicago street course. And we are going to continue to be bold and we're going to com uh, continue to be innovative. And what I would finish with is what I finished with in Miami, which is, I believe the best days of NASCAR are in front of us. I believe that to be true with that. Steve and I will be happy to answer any questions you have. Okay, we've got microphones, so just wait until the microphone gets to you, but I'll call you out. We'll start with Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic. The Athletic. Um, communication with the drivers has been a hot topic this year, or the lack thereof. Uh, we know that since Talladega, the lines of communication have been more opened up. What I'm curious is, is why was there a communication breakdown before Talladega and the process that went into that and why there was this disconnect between drivers and the league? You know, Jordan, I'll take this one. Um, Jordan, I think, um, you know, Steve and others at NASCAR um, with Jeff Burton is kind of an advisor and, and Kyle Petty and um, Dale Jarrett and a group of seven drivers plus their counterparts at NASCAR um, developed something this year called the Driver Advisory Council. Um, and that was a, an effort that was led by Joey Logano and Kyle Busch um, and Denny Hamlin. And we thought it was a terrific idea, right? And, and Jeff has been unbelievable, frankly really being measured about how he's, you know, how he is um, speaking with the drivers and how he's speaking with NASCAR and really is a trusted conduit between those two groups. Um, and the Driver Advisory Council met on a number of occasions this year um, and I think made some great gains on safety and some other things and other concerns that the drivers had and could hear from NASCAR and work in, in concert with NASCAR to try to solve for some of the issues that they were having. But clearly, the communication between the Driver Advisory Council and the rest of the driver group was not happening. Um, and so we'll take that on ourselves. Um, and so we decided to to have weekly meetings starting, you know, essentially five weeks ago um, with the, all drivers. Um, it's not mandatory. The majority of the drivers have participated on a weekly basis. And I think the communication between the sanctioning body and the drivers over this past, you know, five or six weeks has completely shifted the narrative on what is, how the drivers are feeling about the issue, you know, the area of safety or the areas or other raceability, whatever it is that the driver's concerns are and their private conversations that we are having with the drivers. Um, I think it's, you can tell there's a difference, right, in how the drivers are speaking even to all of you. Um, but we certainly feel um, we're excited about the prospects. We'll meet with the drivers again tomorrow. Um, and, you know, we are going to continue that moving forward into next year. We are going to, you know, until such time as the drivers believe that we are over-communicating, if there's such a thing, we're going to continue to have those meetings. Okay, next we'll go to Bob Prockers up front here. 
Um, Bob Parker's Fox Sports. Uh, the thing we keep hearing from the drivers is that William Byron's accident in California early in the testing process and him talking about how hard that hit was. I'm curious, did your did, did your data show something that, that the rear of the car and rear impacts were going to be less violent than they were for the driver? And then can you give us an update on what you've seen, any sort of data on what you've seen from the test that you had last month that show, tells us that the rear impacts will be less hurtful for the driver? Yeah, I think it's important, Bob, to, to go back. And I think one of the, the myths that was out there um, was around all the testing and what went into the next-gen car. So if you take a step back, there was more testing done for this car than at any time in our history, on track, simulation, you name it. Um, and one of the things that got out was NASCAR didn't do anything you know, after William Byron's uh, incident, and that's not true. Um, we actually did. We changed the rear clip of the car based on that information that we had, um, looked at a lot of tweaks to the car, and then as you fast forward for this year, um, as with anything that's new, you're going to learn, you're going to collect data, uh, which we've done. Um, adjustments have been made to the rear clip that's already gone out to the race teams for next year. So I think that dialogue with the race teams, with the drivers about how we continue to what Steve talked about is protect for the catastrophic um, is the number one priority. And then as you go, what are you learning about this new car? And what we're learning it is those smaller hits, which we've never seen before in terms of a car that we've raced, are the ones we've really got to concentrate on. And that's why you're seeing the tweaks being made to the clip um, for those smaller impacts, even a bump on a restart, those types of things. And it's not just the car. I think the dialogue that we've had with the teams now involves, you know, how are you fitting in your seat, helmets, foam head surround. All those things are part of this dialogue, which is really, really good. Uh, and we're seeing some improvements on a daily basis as we look towards 2023. Okay. Uh, make it easy. We'll go to Dustin Long next, right up front. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Steve, last month uh, on the pre-race show for NBC, you talked about, asked about the, the, the ownership group, and you talked about at the time that profitability was an important thing for the teams because that leads to, to better racing. Um, but you also talked about you've got to look at expenses, and that's something that's got to be examined with, with the teams. You know, in the, in the discussions with us, the team owners were talking about, you know, they, there's so much controlled expenses with the car, they're saying, look, the next area to cut, according to one of them, is, is, is you know, team, team personnel, and suddenly that can lead to massive layoffs. So when you look at um, the expense issues for teams, where do you guys see the fat that's there that needs to be looked at from the team perspective? And also, where are you in terms of uh, talking with them since, since Charlotte? So, Dustin, I think the, um, it's really two things, right, which is we want to make sure that teams are profitable. Um, it's important to us, and I and you know, we fully believe that having profitable teams does lead to more competitive racing. Um, so if you look at it, there are two areas to do it, right, which is increasing revenue, right, which is what we have every, every intention of doing with our race teams, um, and controlling expenses, right? The teams have asked us to control expenses. Where those come from, I don't know. Um, and that will be up to the race teams to determine the best way to, you know, to figure out how they would control those expenses. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, we have a, a specific 
discussion around what that would be or the mechanisms that we we put in place. Um, you know, the the teams have thrown out op, you know the idea of having caps and floors and ceilings and luxury taxes. I mean, there are all kinds of different things and levers that we could pull. But those those conversations, to the last part of your question, will be between ourselves and our race teams. Um, and you know, we'll continue to have dialogue with our race teams. We, you know, the charters. Um, go through the end of 2024. Um, we will have meaningful dialogue with our teams next year, I'm sure, and we'll figure out a, a, what is going to be a fair opportunity for all stakeholders, right, that that moving forward in 2025, what that looks like. Um, I don't know, um, but it will be absolutely have to be around both revenue increases as well as some type of expense um, restrictions in some way. Okay. I think we have Greg Engel next. Uh, Greg Engel with Forbes. <clears throat> I'm, I'm curious. Everything's been fantastic this year. The race has been great, like you said. We've had lots of fans on the stands and everything. We can't we can't dismiss the the growing elephant in the room of um, the economy and the way that, that inflation's coming up. Um, and we all want it to, to, to end suddenly, but it's not obviously going to do that. Are you working with your tracks, both both tracks owned? and not owned by you folks to, to help maybe get some incentives out there to help react to that and maybe save some fans some 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 money and get them to the track? You know what, Greg, it's a good question. Um, listen, we are concerned about it. We have been monitoring it significantly. So we have something at NASCAR we call our, our Sales Academy, which is a group of, of sales folks who are selling tickets. Um, and they are able to have real-time dialogue with our race fans to try to understand the difficulties that we've had. I, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm surprised that we've seen the type of consumer numbers that we've seen. Our consumer numbers are up over 20%, ticket sales, 20 to 21 to 22, um, despite, you know, kind of what was happening with the gas prices earlier in the year or, you know, obviously the, the very true inflationary things that are happening we haven't seen a decline in, in ticket sales. We haven't. We've actually seen the opposite. Um, I don't understand it, frankly. It's a bit puzzling. Um, you know, we are one of the only sports, frankly, that have, you know, by and large held ticket prices flat over the last four or five years. Um, you know, I think that NASCAR is one of the best places from a, a value perspective um, for our race, uh, for our race fans, right? The opportunity to bring in coolers, trying to keep our ticket prices in a in a manageable um, place, having different options for for our race fans to be able to, you know, buy different levels um, that will work for their own their own budgets. So it's something that we're going to keep an eye on for sure, um, because we want to make sure that the grandstands are are packed. You know, we've had nine sellouts this year. Last year we had five. Um, will be double digits next year. We believe that to be true as we bring more um, races online, and we are um, we believe that the you know we'll, again as I said we'll monitor it and make sure that we are continue to be a place for our, our race fans to get a good value for their buck. And I, I see just one thing to add to that too is just around the event and the fan experience. Um, we have and I applaud all of our tracks for doing this really invested heavily so you, steve talked about the 
you know, the ticket pricing, I think we're proud of that. We're proud of uh, our fans being able to come and attend an event, but then really focusing on what can they do when they come to the race. And hopefully you're starting to see more and more things happen um, around the racing. The racing's been really good, um, but we've got to entertain people uh, who come, you know, not only just for the race, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. No, and I think it's a really good point that Steve makes because we continue to invest more and more money to increase uh, that race fan experience um, on a on a weekend basis. So whether there are more concerts and more opportunities to entertain the fans outside of what's happening on the race racetrack. And to Steve's point, the racing's been terrific, but it's more than that. We want this to be something that they're going to look forward to um, all year long and then just have a great experience when they're here. Okay, so we'll go to Zach, and then we'll do Jeff, and then Cole. Zach Sternula with NASCAR.com. For you, Steve Phelps, um, do you foresee a time where the Cup Series races internationally? Um, I can send that to O'Donnell. I'm kidding. Um, You know, um, we certainly have nothing to announce here. Do we believe there's interest, you know, north and south of the border specifically? Yeah, there's interest. There's interest from other, you talk about Chicago street course, you know, Ben Kennedy and Steve O'Donnell, their phones are ringing from cities across the country that are like, we would love to host a NASCAR race at our city. Um, and we do have calls coming, as I said, north of the border and south of the border. Um, whether that happens in 2020, 2024 or not, I don't know. What I do know is we're going to have continued schedule variation in 2024. Going to Jeff next. This is for O'Donnell. Um, the next gen, obviously, on intermediates, seems like it, the reception's been pretty overwhelmingly positive, and then the short tracks and road courses are not as positive as they were. Um, what are some potential changes or tweaks you might be able to, to make to help that? Yeah, good question, Jeff. And I, I think um, you have to start with looking at really small sample size in terms of what we've been able to, to go out there and do particularly on the short tracks, but for sure looking at some aero changes um, for, for both short tracks and road courses. We've got a lot of dialogue going on with the drivers uh, in terms of, you know, potentially looking at some power things. I think it's a little more complicated, but there are some things that we've looked at even through Garage 56 that we found from an aero standpoint that could be uh, put in place as early as next year um, for both short tracks and road courses. So, and the good news is, you know, continuing to dial in on the intermediates, um, which we believe we're, we're in a really good spot, um, but then really focus on those short tracks and road courses. So a lot of work being done collectively in the industry uh, to focus on those partic- both both areas. Okay, let's take Cole next. Cole Kusman with Arizona Republic uh, for Steve Phelps. I like what you said about the face of the sport changing in recent years. Um, so looking at the complexion of the championship four for the Cup Series, there's a lot of youth there. Just what can you say about the youth movement and what this means for the future of the sport? Yeah, I think um, it is, you look at the Cup Series specifically, um, and actually all four, um, there's a youth movement in NASCAR. um, And we saw that youth movement a couple years ago kind of start to take hold and take, you know, take root. Um, But you needed a win, right? So it's one thing to have drivers, young drivers come into our cup series, but could they win? Um, and they've proven again and again and again this year that they can. And, and the face of 
our championship four in the Cup Series average age of 28 years old is, is pretty exciting. On top of the last two years champions, one was 24 at the time and one was 29 at the time, um, and Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. Um, it's exciting. You know, I think what we are seeing is that we are, are seeing our sport, uh, which we didn't for a long time, frankly, get younger. And I think the events of 2020 allowed the sport to get younger and more diverse, and that's what we've seen. And I, I am thrilled that these young guys are getting to race against you know, first ballot Hall of Famers, right, like Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. Um, it's, it's a really exciting time, but to see these guys that are going to be with this sport for another you know, 15, 20 years um, and watching their fan bases develop, right, because people want to root for people that are like themselves, right? No one wants to root for me, right? Um, it's just they want people that look like them, right, that have the same interests. So we're seeing a lot more influx of young people um, from a fan perspective, and a lot of that's being driven by the young drivers themselves. Okay, next we'll go to Jenna Fryer, then Lee Spencer, and then Claire B. Lang. Apologies, I have, I have a few. On that question um, that you just answered, the younger drivers, you've got uh, some good personalities in uh, Noah Gregson and um, Ty Gibbs. Uh, you know, you've got some, uh, but also the new car has allowed Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain to shine, guys like that. So part of this youth movement, um, how much do you like these new personalities that are getting a chance to step into that? absence of NASCAR star power you guys have been suffering from? You know, I seeing these personalities and drivers have, you know, have their personalities come out. I think for a long time you had, you know, prior to social media, it was, it was really the, the only outlet they had was me is, was you all right. Um, and that served this sport well for a long time. Um, but I do think, you know, the, the advent of social media and drivers that have been able to create a personality, right, and show that is helpful. But you need to win, right? And I think that was part of the issue with some of these young drivers. They weren't winning. Um, but now they are, right, and they're competing for championships, and you've got fresh races that they are burst onto the scene. I mean, Ross Chastain, never been in the playoffs, right? He was, you know, in, a, in cars previously that were running, you know, towards the back of the field. And he and Daniel Suarez and Trackhouse and what they've done is, is extraordinary. But Bubba Wallace winning and other new race teams coming on board. But with respect to the personalities, we love it. I mean, Noah Gragson, I mean, fantastic. You know, and the storylines that are coming out of, that will come into the Xfinity Series tomorrow with the three JRM drivers and, and Ty, um, you know, that's, that's good for the sport, right? You guys want something to write about, right? You want something to, to talk about on television. And that, that's, that's what we want. And having guys that are, are brash and different and, and bold um, that are creating their own fan bases because they are that, right? And so Ross Chastain has a terrific personality, and he backs it up on the track, and he's unapologetic about it. And so I think it's um, star power is critical. And we are going to embrace the star power and, and kind of put an accelerant on it because that will help the sport grow. Um, 
you mentioned that the charter system is up at the end of 24. Does, does NASCAR want to continue the charter system? I think the charter system has been very good for NASCAR. Um, I think if you look at it, there are many positive things. So what do you get when you buy a charter? You get three things. You get guaranteed entry into the race, which helps the teams from a sponsorship standpoint. You get essentially two pieces of revenue, fixed revenue, and then revenue that you compete for on the racetrack, which is great. I think both are important. And the third piece is governance, right? So Steve and the top competition guys, I mean, they've got meetings all the time working with the competition people at their race teams to have to move the sport forward from a competitive standpoint. So I would say the charter system, although not perfect, um, has worked really well. You look at the enterprise value, which I'm not going to get into what charters are going for um, and what they were at, but the number right now is a significant multiple of what it was three years ago. I mean, it is – we have people out there that want to get charters who are both in the sport and are outside of the sport that can't get them right now because the teams are holding them. Um, that's their right, right? We, there's nothing – whether we want that to happen or not, there's nothing we can do about that. But to answer your question fully, do I think we'll extend the charters? I do. Do I think it's a good thing for the sport? I do. But there's a possibility no. you might not. There's, a, there's certainly that possibility. And I, I don't want to get into the negotiating, you know, through you all. We'll get with our race teams and, and get there. My intention and all of our intentions is to renew these charters. All right, thanks, Steve. Next one, we'll move on to Lee, then Claire, then Jerry. Just one real quick follow-up on what she was asking, because I think you mentioned if a new manufacturer came in that there would be – you would allocate additional charters. So would that kind of change that dynamic? I, I think we, we have the ability to do that. Um, but even with – if you look at the landscape today um, with the ownership and the number of charters we have – a new OEM coming in, we certainly would want that OEM not to be blocked from coming in, so that's why it was put there. But I think best case scenario for us is to have one of one or more of your existing charter teams uh, have an affiliation with an OEM. I think it's important as we continue to grow um, to make sure that that OEM support is throughout the field, and that's going to be a real key for us to, to look at going forward. And I think you mentioned the OEM, you know, potential of OEMs coming in the other day. I think you talked a little bit about that the other night. Is there any fresh news? No fresh news other than um, there is ongoing dialogue, and I think it's a really complicated uh, time in the auto industry in general. And so balancing that um, in terms of, you know, what is uh, the sport going to look like, you know, three, four, five years from now, the, the good news is, as you heard Steve talk about, the growth of the sport, the eyeballs, the interest, so no matter what you're racing, that interest is there. Uh, but I think the ability for us now to line up of, you know, what type of engine and what type um, we do across all three national series gives us a really good opportunity. And finally, um, you can't turn on a TV here in Phoenix without seeing all the political vitriol, right? How do we cool that temperature down here among our race fans so we don't have the let's go Brandon mentality out there? How do we become more inclusive and let – people know that we're attracting all, you know, walks of life and not just one segment of the population. Yeah, I think um, I think the good news, Lee, is that if you go to the garage tomorrow or go to the fan zone, right, and you look at the changing face of NASCAR, it's there. Um, you know, 
we want to put on great racing, right? And we want to make sure that everyone feels welcome and inclusive when they come to our racetracks. It's important. I think we've made great strides um, in that area. Are there other things that we would look at to do to try to make sure that we are doing exactly that? Um, you know, we want people on the left, we want people on the center, and we want people on the right, right? And we want people that look differently, old and young, and people of, of color. That's what is a healthy, successful sport, um, and that's what we strive to be. And we've made some good strides thus far, but we get, we've got some, some work to do as well. Okay, Claire, and then Jerry, and Jim Utter. Claire B. Lang, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. It's refreshing not to have you, and it seems not that long ago you were talking about headwinds. And now it's, when I think about the challenges, as we've been talking today, it's more internal. Like, how do you capitalize on all the opportunities that is coming NASCAR's way? The business model, the sport, the car safety, the next-gen car, team negotiations. For all the fans listening on Sirius XM Live right now, you know, it strikes me that the TV deal is so big for the fans that finding where the races are on is a challenge in maybe the Xfinity series, that some of the things that are coming uh, our way as, as a sport that are challenging, we may not be talking about the things outside but more inside, right? So for the fans, what, what are your challenges that are the headwinds of yesterday that you're not facing now, but also the TV deal and how the – where fans can find the race and what you see in the in the looming future there. Well, I would say this, Claire, on the on the internal headwinds, fans don't care, nor should they, right? Fans want great, Correct. great they just want great racing, right? With brash young drivers like Noah Gragson, right? Or you know, the Hail Melon with Ross Chastain, what, whatever that is, and that's what that's what they want, right? They want competition on the racetrack with the driver that they want to win. Um, and I think the great news is that's what they're getting. So we'll deal with the internal headwinds, um, if that's the right word, right, um, to make sure that driver safety is, is paramount and making changes to the car to, you know, soften up the rear. Um, and, you know, with respect to where we go from a television standpoint, um, you know, I, our relationship with Fox and NBC has never been better, it, ever. It, it is um, at, a, at a level that we haven't seen from a television perspective since the early 2000s when kind of this whole new model came, came to be. Um, and that's done through a lot of hard work. Um, it's, it's done because the sport has, its ratings have stabilized and have grown. I mean, you, you look at our share over the last just two years, share this year for NASCAR Cup races plus 11%. Share last year for NASCAR Cup races plus 14. So our share has increased in two years by 25%. While our friends at Fox and NBC have sold out their inventory, see CPM increases, um, and you know the sport is having a moment on television, but it's also having a moment on our own digital and social channels, our own channels. You know, we've, on NASCAR Digital, we haven't seen numbers in NASCAR Digital this high since 2005. So there's, there's something that's coming here. I'm not sure where the future is going to look like, Claire, with respect to our media partners. I do know that 
it will go through NBC and Fox. And whether there are additional folks that want to come bid and we get to that particular point, I have no idea. I do know that there is significant amount of interest in NASCAR from those that are not our incumbents. Um, and that's a good thing for our industry, right? Because our, frankly, our media um, deal, it feeds a lot of mouse in this industry and it's important to do though. It, it, it is the future of what healthier teams look like. Um, it's the future of in continued investment in capital at our racetracks and continual investment in expenses around creating better fan experiences that we talked about before. And real quick, Ross Chastain's move at Martinsville, whether or not there's a rule, you know, applied to it, what did that do? How much attention? How can you put kind of into words the effect for NASCAR of what happened there? I'll start, and then Steve can he can jump on because it's, uh, it's a cool thing. I, unfortunately, was not at the race. Um, I had a, a bout um, with a sickness, um, and so I couldn't be there. So I was watching like a significant other, uh, amount of other people watching on television through that lens. It was hard to understand what was happening. I just couldn't process it, right? And I think that a lot of people had that same thing, like what, I don't know what just happened because it was something unique and different that hadn't been done before or certainly not executed, right? I think there are others that have tried it, um, but he not only tried it, he made it work. Um, and if you look at the social media numbers alone, over 100 million views of what happened on Sunday afternoon. So what does it mean for NASCAR? I believe that we're gonna get new race fans, right? That are going to tune in on Sunday to see what's next, right? What is going to happen on the racetrack on Sunday? Um, and I will say this, I'm sure Ross Chastain has a lot of new race fans um, for what he did. And it's gonna be something that will go down in the history of, I'm sure um, Winston is looking at that and figuring out, is there an exhibit or a loop or something that's gonna happen around what that is? Cause it was historic. I think, Claire, it's also important to talk about um, it's a little bit of product of our format, uh, which doesn't get talked about, I think, enough. And it's a really unique part of NASCAR that's allowing for this. Sure, there's some challenges, right, and it raises some questions about certain moves, um, but it brings so much intensity not only to each and every cutoff race, but each and every round. And I think the objective of this was to make sure that you know, when we go to that second race of the season, winning matters. Winning stages matters. Where are you at in points? And you're seeing it each and every race. No way that move happens in our history without the format that we have. Um, and that's a good thing, and that's really neat to see. And, and we got to continue to work now with the race teams in the off season. There's a lot of dialogue, of course, of what do you do. But I think we've been pretty frank of, you know, we're going to officiate the race the same way we have uh, for the first 35 races. All right, we're getting close to the ARCA start time, but we'll try to get as many as we can here. We'll go with Jerry next, and then Jim and Kelly. Jerry Jordan King, the Tires.net. I got one for each of you. And, uh, for you, um, so you talked about 
you know, where NASCAR is going from a diversity standpoint, you brought on uh, Latasha Colley for here. You moved uh, Julie to Chicago. Things that internally you're doing. But next year is going to be the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. What bigger things do you have, not just from, you know, uh, uh, you know social aspects of it, but for the sport itself? And where do you grow? What announcements do you, do you, do you set up to make this such a great year for your diamond anniversary? Well, I think some of it, Jerry, is just kind of more of the same. So, that, you know, to Steve talked about um, working on in improving racing at short tracks, um, racing at road courses, although I would say that you look at the storylines at some of the short tracks and um, what has happened and, and also the road courses, pretty extraordinary. With that said, we will iterate on this car just like we've iterated on every other car we've ever had, frankly, to try to make it better from a racing standpoint and from a safety standpoint. The DE&I efforts are going to continue, right? So we are going to craft, you know, additional relationships that we have and partnerships that we have, um, you know, doubling down on what we do with the Boys and Girls Club, um, the successes that we've seen for Drive for Diversity, some of the other areas that we have, um, you know, from a partnership standpoint that really speak to what's happening in the African-American community, what's happening in, you know, the Hispanic um, Latino community, what's happening in the LBGT community, um, and, and frankly, what's happening with women, right, to, to draw them into the sport in, in greater numbers than we've seen. And so we're going to do that with all of what we do, whether we're talking about content, we're talking to take a, you know, race for the championship. The audience is 10 years younger than the audience that's watching on television. And by the way, it's 60% female, um, which is reverse on our, on our television deal um, when people are watching. So it is really working and collaborating with our industry to just get better. Um, and it's, the key thing, frankly, is going to be investment. We are going to continue to, to drive investment into those areas that will drive the sport forward. And OD for you, um, there was talk earlier this year about the the test thing, the series exhibition with electric vehicles, hybrids. Can you talk about where NASCAR is at with that? We've heard that it's kind of fallen off, and maybe that was because of the manufacturer's aspect. But where are where is NASCAR on moving forward with hybridization, electric vehicles, and in whatever uh, series that w might have been, uh, or if it's still in the works? Yeah, I think we're taking a, a really holistic approach across all of our series. So, you know, it's not just electrification. We are still moving forward uh, with our existing OEMs uh, to look at uh, putting a car together. Um, how does that look? You know, what's the entertainment value around that? You know, what's the raceability? So those plans are, are moving forward. You've also got to look at, you know, fuels in the future. How's that going to affect things? Um, You've got hydrogen. You've got all kinds of things to look at. And, and the good news for NASCAR is we're positioned really, really well across all three of our national series platforms. So, you know, and you've also got IMSA. And, and the ideal world for NASCAR is that you can show off at a racetrack and you can see any form of motorsports you want, um, any particular type of power, be it electric, hydrogen. You know, you want to see some loud, you know, engines going out there. That's NASCAR, too. So, all that's going on behind the scenes. It's a delicate balance with the OEs. Um, some are, you know, really all down one lane. Some are all over. So our job's to manage that. But at the end of the day, our job's to put on entertaining races. So I guarantee you that you'll hear from Steve. You'll hear from Jim France. If it's not entertaining, we're not doing it. And so we're going to make sure that whatever we do is going to have that aspect for the fans. How soon do we expect more? 
So I think you'll see it as soon as next year, you'll start to see some things in terms of development. And we're in all of those lanes in terms of on track, still targeting 24. Um, but you'll see us, you know, do a lot of different things during next year also. Okay. I think we've got time for just two more quick ones. So Jim and Kelly, if we can limit it to just one question, please. Uh, for Steve, Odie, um, this is kind of like an officiating question. There's been uh, – there were some instances this season where uh, in to calls that were typically made – would typically be made in, in course of the race ended up being uh, officiated or decided days after. Also, uh, we had some instances, and you, you talked, to this, talked about this on the radio, of driver-to-driver uh, -driver confrontations that may be leaning a little bit too much towards – the wild wild west i just wondered uh in the off season what if anything do you guys plan to do in addressing those issues yeah good question and and all in all jim i would say for the amount of races that we have um and the number of calls we have to make or not make pretty good success record having said that you can always do better and, and one of the biggest challenges in our sport is there's there's no timeouts you know we don't send it back to to new york or somewhere else we've got to make an instant call and we've got to live with that and that's really reliant for us on the technology uh, in race control you know we rely heavily on our television partners who do a great job but it's not their job to officiate the race so um, if we are missing a camera angle that's on us to, to go out and fix and make sure we have those things in place so if you take uh, texas for instance you know one of the angles that we should have had in race control we didn't uh, next week we did. We had every single in-car where we were able to see it. So we'll go back and make sure that, you know, where do we make mistakes? What technology do we need um, to really make those decisions in a more timely fashion? Because we want to make those at the racetrack versus during the week. And the second part was around um, our drivers. So we've been very vocal. Um, we don't want to see anyone using their car as a weapon on the track, right? That's, that's number one. And the drivers have been vocal in saying, you know, let us handle our business ourselves. Uh, with that comes a balance, though. And I think you saw that balance um, last week. And I would say that's right at the line, if not crossing the line, in terms of the Xfinity Series. But if you look at how we have officiated those calls this year, we have not issued any penalties. Um, so our job in the off season will be to talk to the drivers, get their feedback on where should that line be. It's still up to us to make the decision. Um, but I think you'll see some more consistency in terms of what we may do and react uh, to what happened last week uh, with a penalty of some kind uh, for 2023. All right. Our last question comes from Kelly. Kelly Crownerracial.com. OD, I guess along those same lines, because I wanted to ask about Austin Hill, because you had said on Sirius at the beginning of the week that um, it was over the line or it was unacceptable. Excuse me, I don't remember your exact terms. But then we didn't see a penalty. So do we now interpret that as what happened last week is acceptable? And, and that's where I was going with it. I think if you looked at, um, and I did say that on the radio, and, and uh, when we got together and looked at the team and how we had officiated this year, um, we hadn't reacted. And so we looked at it that, yes, probably crosses the line, but in terms of what calls you've made, who's been fined, where were points taken away, we hadn't done anything. Um, so we elected, right or wrong, um, to move forward, get through this year, and then look to make a rule change. We are sitting down with Austin at 1 o'clock, um, so we'll make sure that our message is delivered to him, um, and we'll make sure that we feel like we're in a good place to go out and race, and if we're not, we still have the option to react. 
All right. Thank you, everybody. Sincerely appreciate your time and energy. I'll just turn it back to Steve one last time for his final thoughts. Yeah, guys, I just want to say thank you for again for all you do. Um, I think we have a going to have a historic weekend, um, and really excited to see the racing this evening, uh, tomorrow and Sunday. Um, the grandstands are going to be packed. Um, go out to the midway; it's going to be an energy there that uh, you know we haven't seen before. You know, camping is we can't fit another camper anywhere, um, and so we think this is a terrific market for us. Um, I think we're going to see three great races um, over the next three days, and, and I'm sorry, as well as ARCA right now, which is why we're finishing. Um, three National Series races um, and our ARCA West Series. So excited about that. Um, again, thank you for all you do. We appreciate it, and we will see you this weekend, and then we'll see you back at the Daytona 500 in 107 days or something like that. 106. Off we go. Thank you for that. Thank you, Frank Kelleher. Just trying to get you a plug there. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.